the majority of us here this morning, as you think of this with me, really do want to be living a life that is more responsible, responsive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, To be a parent or a child that is uh, gracious and communicates well because of our faith. We want to represent Christ. Alpha is a good opportunity. And the ministry of Wednesday nights at Alpha and, and seeing the way in which Alpha describes the Christian faith is a great opportunity to improve our faith, to deepen our personal growth and commitment to our Father. Many of us, in striving to be that way, work hard at our daily devotions and When they fail over a period of time, we work at it again. Because we know we suffer loss if we somehow fail to those private times together as a family or as individuals, personally or with loved ones. Some of us from time to time, however, find that we're careless in our Christian walk. Things happen and we realize that we've drifted from our relationship with the Father. One day, President Abraham Lincoln was riding in a coach with a colonel from Kentucky, good old Kentucky. The colonel took a bottle of whiskey out of his pocket. He offered Mr. Lincoln a drink. Mr. Lincoln said, no, thanks, colonel, I never drink whiskey. In a little while, the colonel took out some cigars from his pocket, and he offered one to Mr. Lincoln. Again, Mr. Lincoln said, "Uh, no thanks, colonel. And then Mr. Lincoln said, I'd like to tell you a story. One day when I was about nine years old, my mother called me to her bed. She was very sick. She said, Abe, the doctor tells me that I'm not going to get well. I want you to be a good boy. I want you to promise me before I go that you will never use whiskey or tobacco as long as you live. I promised my mother that I would never, and up to this hour, I kept that promise. Would you advise me, Colonel, to break that promise? The Colonel put his hand on Mr. Lincoln's shoulder and said, Mr. Lincoln, I would not have you break that promise for the world. It's one of the best promises you've ever made. I would give $1,000 today if I'd made that promise to my mother and had kept it like you have done. I would be a much better man than I am. How's it going with you and your Christian walk and the promises you've made, particularly to the Father? How's it going with us as a church, living in this community, interacting with our society. How are we doing in our spiritual walk, our relationship with the Father, with the promise of faith in Jesus Christ? How are we doing this morning? As you look at the question, are you more, am I more committed to him than I was at the beginning of 2016? More committed than then, just a year ago? We desire to be deeply committed to the Father for the sake of our families, for the sake of our marriages, for the sake of our loved ones. We want to be able to pray and know that God hears our prayers. We want to be able to pray and get results. Do we not? 
Maybe results like these that we discovered in a story that goes back to 1873. A group of women in Hillsborough, Ohio, met and prayed and then read from Psalm 146. Then they prayed and pleaded with the saloon keepers to give up their business. Church bells tolled simultaneously with a crusade of prayer and persuasion. On the second day, one saloon keeper capitulated. He gave his entire stock to the women, saying, Do with this as you please. At the end of eight days, every one of the 11 saloons in town were closed. The brewers of Cincinnati offered $5,000 reward to anyone who would break up the movement. One usually courageous male man decided to try to do so. In four days, he threw up his hands and surrendered to these women. The crusade of prayer and persuasion led to the formation in 1874 of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. My, wouldn't it be great to pray and get results? Is there a distance now this morning as you think of this between the Father and yourself? Is that distance between him and you getting longer or shorter? And as I ask those questions with you this morning, I turn us to the story, only a brief part, of course, of the story of Gideon that was read to us. Gideon deals with, the story deals with improvement, Israel's improvement, who for seven years had been given into the hand of the Midianites for their unfaithfulness to God. Let me just share with you just so briefly the scenario that leads us to Gideon's story. In chapter 5 of Judges and verse 31, at the conclusion of the life of the story and the actions of the prophetess Deborah, after her particular prophetic life carried through and the results carried through in Israel, these words are penned by the judges, then the land had peace for 40 years. In other words, as a result of the prophetess's work, the children of Israel obeyed the prophetess and came before the Father and lived a certain way, and for 40 years there was peace as a direct result. Peace with the enemy, peace, peace with those outside of Israel. There was a good relationship as a result, 40 years. Then in, verse, in chapter 6, the next verse, Chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So here you have all of a sudden a shift in attitude, a shift in relationship, and because of that, for those seven years of wandering away from the Father, moving from the relation with God, God said, okay, enough is enough, and you will come under the authority of the Midianites because of those seven years. Not a long time, by the way. That's not a long time. And so, of course, even as I read those two verses with you, and as you hear that story, you realize that this is not an unusual scenario, is it? Throughout the Old Testament, there's this back and forth between obedience to the Father, disobedience to the Father, and captivity, and pain, and misery, and loss. And then there's a prophet, and it goes back. And they obey, and life becomes a better relationship with the Father. And then they drift back. 
And then they're back under captivity again. And that scenario goes back and forth. A question to ask before I get into my just two points this morning, really that's all it is, as we talk about how God understands you. A question I want to ask you is, what occurred between the last chapter and the last verse in chapter 5 of Judges, 40 years of peace, and the first verse of chapter 6, where they're brought before the Midianites because of their seven years of disobedience. What happened? What happened? You say to yourself, yeah, it happened so much, but what actually occurred? The people drifted simply from the Father. The people drifted from a relationship with God. As a result, he had enough. Of course, we know the complete story, don't we, of how our lives are. And how even before God created mankind, he knew that would be our behavior. He knew we would fail. He knew we would drift. And so he sent his son, decided before the world was created, Jesus would come to help us with how we fall back so often. Came to deal with that sin. Came to deal with that separation. Because we drift into it so carelessly. This week I heard a story of, uh, told by Brian Lowe, the pastor at White Rock Baptist Church, as he on Wednesday nights is engaging the congregation, the young families, to on Wednesday nights meet parents and kids together in their, uh, a new form of a way to attract young families. And he told a story on Wednesday night. And the story goes something like this. A young man, I think it was a, a guy, it could be a gal, by the way, a young pre-teenager, had decided that he wanted, and we'll say it's a guy for easiness, say, he wanted to go to a movie with uh, some of his friends. And he came to mom and he says, Mom, I want to go to this movie. And she says, well, tell me a little about it. Well, it's a, it's a PG-13 movie. Uh, okay, but you're 11. Oh, yeah, but mom, my friends are going and it's, you know, I, I'm used to people swearing. I don't swear. It doesn't catch me. I, I, you know, there's a bit of that in there, but that's okay. My friends are going, I want to go to the movie, mom. Well, you know, it's, it's really kind of rated, you know, a little above. you. No, but listen, mom, it's, it's not, it won't hurt a thing. So mom said, well, okay, you can go. But listen, what I want to do is I want to make you some brownies to take with your friends. To go to the movie. And he thought, oh, that's great. Take my mom's brownies and I'll take them in and we can enjoy them together. And so mom started making her brownies and put all the ingredients together. And, um, and as she was baking the brownies, she went in the backyard where their dog usually uh, is active. And she picked up some of the dog's poop, just a little of it. And she brought it into the house and mixed it in with the brownies. And um, not much. Not, not, not a lot, you couldn't hardly tell. Not much, just a little, just a little. Mixed it in with the brownies and baked her brownies and got them ready and cut them all into, got them ready in the, in the, in the little container and gave them to her son. But before he left for the movie, she says, son, I want to tell you something. Uh, I put a little bit of dog poop in the brownies, just, just so you know. Just, just, you know, you, you, you may not even notice it, but it's there. What? How is it 
that we subtly slip in our world, in our culture, in 21st century Western Canada? How is it that families move into disrepute, that marriages begin to crumble? How is it that children don't obey their parents? Friends, it doesn't happen in a short time. It happens subtly. It happens one action at a time. And that's the story of Israel in the Old Testament, isn't it? Forty years of obeying what God says in His Word. That is, through, in those cases, it was through the prophet, right? They didn't have words like we have today. They had the prophet. They obeyed the prophet, and God honored that. And then seven years, they just said, never mind, and drifted subtly, slowly away. It's the story of our life. And so it's in that context this morning that we just slip into the little bit of the story of Gideon. Story of Gideon. God does not deepen or improve or mature rebelliousness, disobedience. When we live in a state of disobedience, God pays attention. And so the context of the story is after those seven years, and I have to tell it quickly because it's much longer than our text. The father comes through an angel to Gideon, gets his attention as he works around this mill, milling in a, he was milling wheat in a uh, place where you make wine. And the significance of that is this, that the Midianites were going all around trying to undermine their crops and undermine what they're producing and undermine food, didn't think that they would mill wheat in a wine press. So he was hiding, just trying to get bread together, just trying to feed the family, because that's the tension in which they lived, and God came to him, and the story moves on. Two things I want as Israel, after seven years, cried again to the Father. Father, help us. So he came to Gideon. Two things I want to share with you this morning about God understanding you and me. We see how there's a process in which Gideon is prepared to serve God. Prepared to lead the people. And the preparation comes in two phases. It comes in two ways that I want to direct your attention to this morning. Initially, chapter 6, verse 15, as the angel comes to Gideon, he says, how can I help? Who am I that I can help? A humble man. A humble man. Just like a newspaper reporter was interviewing an old rancher and asked him what he would attribute to his success as a rancher. And the rancher thought for a moment, with a twinkle in his eye, he replied, well, it's about 50% weather, it's 50% good luck, and the rest is brains. Jesus, oh well. Jesus said the same to us, I will always be with you. As he said to Gideon, I will be with you. Jesus said to you and me in Matthew 28, 20, I will be with you. Now this morning then, there are two sets of testing I want you to notice. Two sets of testing. The first is the testing of an immature Gideon. 
The second is the testing of a mature Gideon. And where are we this morning? So the first is the testing of an immature Gideon. A Gideon that is not mature enough, and so he tests God. All right, there's the first. As the story unfolds, as God comes to him through the angel, the first, the first test is Gideon tests the father. Is it really you? And then there's a whole thing of a... He, he has a... Um, uh, um, uh, let's see. No, before that. That's the one before that. That's the second one. The first one is the uh, altar. Sorry, the altar. I read it all, but then i got to remember it all. He, he said, um, if you're really God, I'm going to provide an altar. And he did it twice. In the second one, he burned his father's uh, worship pole because his father was worshiping uh, uh, the, uh, outside of the kingdom. And so he burned. Now, that was the first one. And he wanted, is this really God? And so the typical way for, an Israel, for a Hebrew is to have an altar. And the angel came and burnt the second. Right, good. The second one. After that was what Grant said, the story of the fleeces. And you'll find that in later in chapter 15. This is, this is Gideon testing God. And so he says uh, on this threshing floor where he was, the first part, God, if it's really you, make the water, the dew go in this uh, fleece and everything dry around it. And the next morning, that's exactly what was the case. And he wrung out the fleece and... All right, then he says, oh, this is wonderful. I'm going to test you again, God. I'm not sure it's you. Are you familiar with this, folks? I'm going to test you again, God. I'm not sure it's you. So this time, I'll have the same fleece, and it's there on the floor, and the floor is going to be wet with dew, and the fleece dry, and the next morning, that's exactly right. That's what happened. And so the immature Gideon, who had to be prepared to be the warrior, went through a series of tests to test God. Well, it was part of an improvement process for Gideon. Gideon was getting better, that's true. And sometimes that's where you and I are. We're in a position where we need to test God. Yes, it makes us more mature. Yes, we're not where we need to be, but we want to get there. How's your faith in the Father this morning as you deal with the issues that you and I are facing today? Are you still in a position as you pray, as you wait for a decision to be made, as you decide about school or decide about work or decide about a relationship or how you're going to uh, deal with that child who needs a talking to or a listening to? How are you doing? Are you still at this place of saying, is there a God who listens? The second type of testing this morning occurs in our text, right? This type of texting, the process of Gideon's improvement is moved to a deeper level. Gideon's improvement was more developed than when we catch him earlier on. And now the battle is prepared and God knows he can trust Gideon. There's a relationship, a depth of relationship established and everything is prepared for the battle. And God comes to Gideon 
And God tests Gideon. Gideon's finished testing God. And now God tests Gideon. Are you ready? And 22,000, he says, he already promised in chapter 6, way back, he says, I will defeat the Midianites. It's done. And all this is taking place even after God said, Gideon, I want you, and it's done. I realize you're not worthy, but it's done, and I'm going to do it. After all this, Gideon's finally convinced that God is there, and he will use him, and he gets together 22 Israelites. He calls them all out, 22,000. God says to him, Gideon, that's too many. If those who are afraid to fight will raise their hands, send them home. 12,000 went home. God said to Gideon, it's still too many. 10,000 left, still too many. And then you have the story of the water at the creek, you know, and how they drank and all that quickly. And then you can read it. And then when that was done, there were only 300 left. Why did God go through that process this morning, friends? Because if 22,000 people or 10,000 Israelites had defeated the Midianites, which even still was an overbalanced number, Way more Midianites than 22,000. But if that had happened, the children of Israel would say, What? We did it. All of a sudden, God's out of the picture just like that. We did it. Look at what Israel's so great. God says, He tests this young man. He says, Gideon, too many people, too many Israelites. And as the text read, there were so many camels and people in the valley that the camels were like the sand of the seashore. That's numbers. That's bulk. That's many. 300 taking their trumpets, taking their lights. And you can read the rest of the story after, but just before the battle started, understanding Gideon's heart, the Lord said to Gideon, I want you to go down with your servant at night. And I want you to listen. And here we have the most beautiful story of Gideon going down and hearing a dream. He hears the dream expressed by one man, a Midianite, of course, and, re- and interpreted by, an, by his friend. And in the dream, the man said, I saw a loaf of bread come tumbling down the hills. You realize the picture, right? It's a valley filled with Midianites. The Israelites are on top. Gideon's up high. He's looking down over them. And I saw a loaf of bread come tumbling down the hill and hit the tent, and everything went astray. Tent destroyed. And his friend said, friend said it's nothing other than the sword of Gideon. How do you know that? How do you know who it was? The word had gotten out. Nothing other than the sword of Gideon. In the vision and its interpretation Gideon saw God's hand in the battle. Friends, it was no different than what he told him weeks earlier. I will deliver the Midianites. But in the vision, he saw for himself 
the activity of God in his actions. Seeing the vision could only mean that God was there in the camp, in the valley, in the camp already. Judges 7 and 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Where are you this morning, my friends? In your relationship to the Father this morning, have you moved past the place where you're testing whether there's a God, whether he cares, whether he knows and understands you? In your Christian walk, have you moved into that place where you know the Father through Jesus Christ, you know his activity, you've seen his hand, and you're in a place where God is testing you by the events of your life. But you know it. There's no doubt God's there. You know that the crisis, the issue, the broken relationship, the struggle you're having is not uh, anything other than God is loving you, caring for you, testing you as you make those decisions. You've long passed the place where you doubt him, his existence, and his love. As you celebrate with me around the table, I trust this morning as we celebrate and remember what Christ has done for us, that we all together, whether you're part of Ebenezer or visiting this morning, that you know God through Jesus Christ. And in the daily routine activities of your life, the test going on is a loving father testing his own, deepening the maturity of his own, strengthening his own, so we can be the church in Vancouver, so we can be the real church, alive and vital, knowing what prayer does, knowing how prayer works, knowing our relationships are deepened and strengthened. We can know it because what, however bad the issue you're facing this morning is, you know it's the Holy Father God caring for you and me. He understands us. He knows us. He loves us.